um, I'll, I'll, uh, start recording, start recording. Should I say something? Let's talk about, ooh, do I want to bring that up? It's nothing bad, but do I want to bring that up? Oh, oh, guess what, guess hey, what? Hey, 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 let's sit down, let's sit down, let's sit down before he gets active. It's about to get active, it's about to get active. Welcome to the Created for Greatness podcast, hosted by the Strive Initiative and the Pottstown School District. Conversations from students about vision, dreams, aspirations, and thought-provoking ideas. All right. Welcome back to the PSD podcast. And I would want to introduce the host of today's episode, Mark Ellison. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be talking about today's topic, which is energy. I will pass it along to everyone else to introduce themselves as always. And I am Mark Ellison III. My name is Devin Green. My name is Lily Fetterman. My name is Adam Green. And I'm Henry Fetterman. And today we will be talking about the history and future of energy. I'd love to start today's episode off by saying what, by defining exactly what we mean by energy. Um, in physics, we define energy as uh, something's ability to do work, work being apply a force over some amount of distance, right? So when we say um, something has some amount of energy, that basically means its ability to change its motion, right? And when you – and you can – of course, imagine in a super complex machine, when you apply a certain amount of energy, that's just allowing the gears to rotate, allowing each of these things to effectively move and do whatever they need to do. Well, now that I think about I did a research on uh, the current renewable energy system, which would be like carbon dioxide emissions. But I do want to talk about like exactly energy. Like to start off, the first form of energy was with human function, like muscles and all that, in, in relation to us. Right. Yes, and, of course. I mean, we get our energy from calories. I feel like yeah. I feel like we should clarify that was the first like harnessed energy. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. By humans, in the form of our own bodies is calories. What we eat gives us energy, and of course. As uh, Einstein proved with his uh, E equals MC squared, mass can be converted into energy, which is what we do with food. We mm-hmm. eat this food and convert that mass into energy. Yeah, and even thinking, there's energy involved. You know, just to think about the electrical spikes in our brain. You know how you see these uh, these sort of videos about you know people putting these these sort of like electrical like prongs on their head like mm-hmm. in the sculpt sort of thing to sort of measure their brain activity. Mm-hmm. Like just to think that your brain is is not very different from your laptop or your phone is, uh, you know, why energy is such an important thing. And also notice that like, let's say you miss a meal or two and you take a like standardized test and you notice that you're actually super tired and that that's that's crazy to think like, like the mass we take from other objects is vital for the function of our brains. And kind of piggybacking off of Mark's point with the fact that our bodies create so much energy is some scientists today have been trying to 
uh, harvest the energy that our bodies produce thermally. Um, and one statistic for that is a human male at rest gives off around 100 watts of energy and 80%, and 80% of a human's body power is emitted as heat. Mm, so wow. with that being said, um, people have been trying to harvest this energy. And right now it's more of just a concept than anything, or more of a theory rather. Um, but there has been one watch company uh, called Seiko's Thermic Watch um, that was able to produce one microwatt of electricity, which is not nearly enough to power anything really useful but it's electricity nonetheless yeah it's like one step closer to yeah and it's just more. using body heat it was just like a proof of concept that's pretty cool it's like you're a little little radiator that runs on uh like pizza <laughs> it's cool <laughs> yeah that's really interesting and that makes you think you know um when when people say die of hypothermia um what's really happening there is that it's of course you're freezing to death, but the reason that you know kills you is because you're losing eighty percent of your energy in your body, making you quite literally unable to move, and your um your bodily functions unable to operate, which is like really interesting to think about. Absolutely, and it sort of goes into you know what was the. What was what is the biggest sort of innovation in terms of our energy consumption? Like, uh, what was the most, uh, let's say, resourceful sort of energy concept that we had that sort of was prevalent back in, let's say, the the twentieth century and prevalent now? You know, going into petroleum and natural gas and coal. Yeah. So, uh, what we know today as petroleum and like such as crude oil would be like fossil fuels. And fossil fuels are basically uh, fossils, not from dinosaurs, which I found to be pretty interesting, even yeah, yeah. further back oh, than yeah. dinosaurs. I'm not too familiar with like, what that was. But they would. what would happen is over time, over time, like crust like forms yeah. on the earth and mm -hmm. then the organisms that die and some parts of organisms don't decompose and are not reusable but certain parts of organisms die and just are continuously sucked down with the earth yeah, over it's time like a, a cycle the carbon yeah. cycle and uh oh, and then due to high amounts of heat and pressure i guess it would sort of like melt these things and form them into these right. into this crude oil into the fossil fuels and then they just sit under the earth constantly being put under pressure and under immense amounts of heat. And so as tech, like human tech evolved over time, we began digging, like we were digging for like metals and all that. And then we came across uh, this black liquid mm -hmm. and we, we found out that this could be used to power like a lot of like the new machines that are coming on, especially when, with farming and I'm not too familiar like with what the earliest form of energy. I believe of, it was like, for like the the factories because I know yeah. that the industrialization area era was mainly prioritizing like uh, 
the factory sort of thing, oh. like like with the the oh, cars. Oh yeah, and definitely and... with trains, like coal and stuff. Yeah, like, that's absolutely. used to fuel like the motion of trains. And back then, trains were like the trucks of what today. And, right. and trains are still used like a lot today, and they still use coal and all this carbon emissions and carbon products. And uh, yeah. so, but the the problem with carbon, like like these, I am calling it carbon products because it. I'm used to calling like these, this uh, yeah, crude like oil and non-renewable energy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, because earlier we didn't really know what what problems carbon would cause mm-hmm. by using this crude oil, and so we would just use it as much as possible. And the more tech, like the more advanced we got in machines and all that, the more oil we used and the more we admitted these carbons and like carbon dioxide, which is a greenhouse gas and greenhouse gases are what maintain heat as the sun spreads its heat. Yeah, it it traps heat. It sort of goes into our last episode where, you know, Mr. Green brought up the topic of uh, mistakes in scientific history. Mm -hmm. Now, greenhouse gases is a prime example of, you know, something we didn't foresee Mm -hmm. and now we're dealing with now. For sure. Of course. You know, that that also makes me think, you know, when we're talking about uh, oil um, and we're talking about uh, uh, coal and all of these different um, energy sources, we're talking about what highly flammable substances. Right. And... That's because, and part of what makes them such uh, good energy producers is the fact that they're so flammable and are able to generate so much heat. And heat is effectively just thermal energy. Bringing Mm -hmm. it back to our definition that um, we started this off with, heat is quite literally the the speed at which the molecules within a certain substance move, right? So it, I'm sure many of us have seen in our, you know, fifth grade science class, you know, um, solids, their their molecules vibrate, liquids, States matter. they move around a little bit, and then gases, they fly all around. Um, so the heat is quite literally the velocity at which they these molecules vibrate move or fly around what it's, so it's like it's the speed yeah it's, it's like, the measure yes. of this the, the velocity like mr green said of the particles uh, exactly if you don't know does that have anything to do with friction yes that's why friction um causes thermal energy to be released and it gets hotter when you start um rubbing your hands together because you're using that friction just to make thermal energy. You know, when we look at um, heat, heat, because it is literally described as just motion, it's any change in heat is energy. It's um, an acceler- any acceleration of motion is an increase of heat, which makes it therefore energy. So it's absolutely insane how we're able to 
harness the motion of these uh, smaller molecules and transform it into something much bigger to work on a, a macroscopic macroscopic scale. You got there. For anybody that doesn't know, um, the vibration of these um, molecules or, yeah, um, is the way a microwave works. <laughs> it's just, it's using magnets to throw things at these molecules and it vibrates them real, real good and it heats them up. That's why liquid tends to be a lot more dangerous coming out of the microwave than a solid because it gets superheated beyond the point of boiling and it it is really dangerous it could explode if you take it out of the microwave exactly that's why um a lot of times you might put something in the microwave and they say it cooks from the inside out that's because most of the moisture is usually on the inner parts of whatever food you're heating up yeah Everyone's learning here. Everybody is. It's it's yeah. a good learning experience. <laughs> yeah, it sort of goes into uh, sort of like the electromagnetic spectrum, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for energy. You know, just to think a microwave. You know, it's it's really no different from you know just looking around, like look around everywhere. That's visible light. That's a part of the spectrum of electromagnetic energy where you have visible light uh, sort of in the center. And then pretty close to it is microwave, which is about the size of a water particle if you really uh, look at the size of an electromagnetic wave. So just to think that something as complex as electromagnetic energy, uh, it's really abundant around us all the time, sort of like how energy is in your body, in fire, in your phones, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, correction, electromagnetic magnetic radiation radiation uh actually um <laughs> let me correct that um actually this isn't right because that does not fit the definition of uh energy that we already presupposed it's not funny when you radiation <laughs> but like always everything's related back to energy yeah definitely energy is such a such a cool little topic because energy can really be just about anything Anything that moves is energy. Yes. Yes. Anything that burns, moves, anything could be counted as energy and could, in theory, be harnessed. And I, I think it's very interesting um, when Henry was talking about the uses of oils. Um, that's like, y'all know the meme, um, somebody for real made Bluetooth out of, out of <laughs> water, water sticks and something else. That's what oil is to me. Like, somebody took this black liquid out of the ground and figured out how to run a car on it. Dude, yeah. you want like, to it's so wild. I want to know something interesting. Yeah. Uh, sorry if my thing's messed up, but uh, a one barrel of crude oil, on this, this is a long list. One barrel of crude oil makes 39 polyester shirts, 750 pocket combs, 540 tooth, toothbrushes, 65 plastic dustpans, 23 hula hoops, 65 plastic drinking cups, 195 one-cup measuring cups, 11 plastic telephone housings, which are those, which yeah. are like the, the clip-on telephones. Yeah, like yeah. The, like not the clip-on telephones, but the like what they clip on to. Yeah. Uh, and 135 four-inch rubber balls, which these aren't as important as like, let's say, 
N95 masks, cell phones, computers, and tires. But just to think, like, how much these this crude oil makes up and how vital it is, yeah. despite the problems it, it's causing our planet. Now, because- is that statistic saying that the amount of energy contained in that crude oil is what would make what goes into making these i think uh, it's the product like yeah the products of the crude oil i think that oil is going directly into those things because if you okay. if all of them are plastics and right, crude right. and crude oil is a, an essential ingredient in in these plastics mm-hmm. which is why we need to get away from plastics and yeah. which is a reason why a lot of people don't understand like everybody thinks all oh, plastics whatever but it's it's not about them being plastics. It's about them, you know, containing so much oil yeah. that it's hurting more than it is helping yeah, to but an I, extent. I also think, like, we should, like, at the pace we're using oil, I don't know how we could go, get back from right. stopping using Well, Mr. So, Green, well, tell me, what's a way for us to substitute from oil? One way, and this is... I, I hate to say this is not the one I researched. One way that we're getting away from uh, oil plastics is uh, plant-based plastics. I'm not too knowledgeable on the on the subject, but mm-hmm. plant-based plastics are, in some cases, stronger than oil plastics, and only take around a hundred years to break down. More I don't or less, know, but s- some. if they're made from plants, I'm sure. They're... Come on, they're... come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, and with like all the biodegrade. All the new, like, fertilizers or something that or stuff that we're, like, coming up with chemical compounds. Like, we could just keep discovering new stuff and keep getting better. And maybe right. if we, like, go to Mars or something, <laughs> we could find some new stuff. Or I don't sick. know. But this, uh, this reminds me of some, something I saw. Sorry. You have my good? Okay. Um, there's this company in Mexico. I forget the name of it, but uh, they have been making... Uh, plastic utensils out of avocado seeds. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I saw it on like Business Insider. Or yeah, something. but uh, things like that, and there are so many different companies like that all around the world that are like literally proving that it's it could be just as worth it to make pl- plastic out of literally anything else. Right. And so we have, you know, plenty of alternatives just, you know, not to get political here. No. But. Big plastics in the politicians' pockets. That's what I was going (laughs) to say. (laughs) The politicians have have their money in these uh, oil industries. Yeah. And all of that. So that's what, (laughs) that's what, you know, is keeping us stagnant in um, this environmentally destructive future uh, yeah, way. Yeah, and especially during this uh, crude oil cold war, it's like where... Oh, yeah, where natural resources are going to get scarcer in the future. That's how things mm-hmm. work. When you take from something that is limited, in the, fu- in the future, it's going to be zero. Right. So the problem with this is that we're going to see in the future if we don't take uh, measures that help us with uh, sort of reversing all of the mistakes we've made, we'll find each other competing for water, competing for oil, competing for natural gas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the question rings, what are ways that we can make or sort of uh, 
propel uh, n- renewable energy. Mark what? Oh, Lily steps up to the plate. We could dance. We could dance. Tell me dance. more about dance. it. I'm intrigued. <laughs> there was a company. I think there is a company called Energy Floors. Uh, in the Netherlands, they launched a product called Sustainable Dance Floors. And this was launched in 2008. Oh, so wow. So, I mean... We've had some yeah. time. We've had a lot of time with this product and it, the concept as a whole. Um, but... These energy floors or sustainable dance floors are uh, used to harvest kinetic energy from people's movements, like dancing and uh, and walking and literally anything that you do on the ground. <laughs> and these kinetic pavements is what they're called. Wherever they're put, whenever anyone steps on the pavement slab, the five watts of energy is generated. So just, that's and, just one step, correct? Yeah, that's just one step. And five watts is about the equivalent of what an f- iPhone charger would use, or I think most phone chargers would use to charge a phone. Um, and let's say that these these are put in cities where there's a lot of foot traffic. Um, these would be used to power nearby lampposts, tube station lighting, and even USB charging ports. So it's still uh, very, like, low-level power, but at least it can be used to power the local area. Right. Um, it's- and it's definitely a step towards something better. Yeah, it's like, imagine if we start innovating this technology in, like, every dance room. Like, you can, yeah, uh, every, yeah. in every room where every people school, move a lot. You imagine- just busting a move. Schools, could- offices. Yeah, how often do you walk the hallway God. to go to the next right. class? Imagine, ima- just imagine this. I'm going to lay something every out for you. Every single step could charge a phone. Imagine just the sidewalks themselves. New York City, Times Square. Oh, yeah. Just the sidewalks exclusively. Imagine how much power would be produced per step. Wow. Even if it's just, like, one little tile... If you put it in a high foot traffic area in like Times Square, that's going to produce so much energy. And imagine even, uh, sorry, imagine even with cars, uh, like if they got these to be, I don't know. I don't know if they could handle a car, but perhaps in the future, uh, these kinetic pavements could possibly just be on the roads, on on highways. Like they could... turn energy that's already being used into more energy recycle energy guys wait i have i have a question about this is it like sort of like the more force you push on it the more energy you get or no it's not really about it's not really about force because you know everyone weighs uh, different weights it's about just the frequency of the step is uh, how is the more energy generated like is there amount of like i think there's 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 Got to be like a, like a, a threshold. My guess yeah. is that um, the these tiles are technically dependent on how much force, but on average, it's probably mm. five watts per step. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, that's on average. Energy definitely is because energy is dependent on force, right, and distance. So if you push down on this tile with say 20 newtons of force with um f- for one meter 
right? Get That's out of here 20 with jewels. That's 20 <laughs> jewels right there. Hey, don't, don't. I'm hating what, on the Newton. Don't hate right on the Newton. I'm right hating now. on the Newton. I, am just right. I didn't take physics. This. Don't hate on the Newtons. I'm hating on the Newtons. I'm just in love with this whole tile idea. Because it's like, imagine too. just every rave around the world, just someone playing some awesome beat and everyone's just jumping up and down. Yeah. And just oh, yeah. generating enough energy to, to help that the DJ fuel his whole shenanigan. Yeah. And then if it's fueling, like, let's say the, the city, like what we were talking about. That's right? sick. Yeah. yeah. The beautiful thing about clean energy and renewable energy in general is that it comes from things that seem everyday to us from mm-hmm. wind like come on wind is just, everywhere yeah just blow on from, the- from the sun which produces the two trillion joules of energy per day two trillion versus the 300 million that we produce that's yeah. that's an immense difference in energy and it's all around us mm-hmm I'm like frothing at the mouth by by recycled energy. I'm just because it's so it like it's so attainable. Any and you see it happening in like European countries and specifically like the Scandinavian countries. Yeah, they're pretty for whatever reason they're pretty up to date on these things. But uh, it's like it's so attainable and it's so possible, but it's just not happening. Yeah. yeah, like listen to this. 18.13 million barrels of crude oil were used per day in 2020. That's how many? 18.13 18. 18. million. million. And, and this is from the EIA. Like this is a, a .gov search. Yeah, this is a reliable Which source. I, I feel it. Like even looking at this wow. information, it just it doesn't feel true. My mouth is physically agape. <laughs> like, that is wild. And like now with like everything that's happening, like with the the war in Russia and all these sanctions and all these oil cuts, you can only imagine how much more oil we're using. It sort of makes me think about, you know, the energy concepts that might not seem uh, familiar to us, but, you know, are sort of very beneficial in the long term. Mm. I know, uh, Mr. Green, you had uh, a concept that you wanted to talk about here about you know, something that we might not really click with us in terms of familiarity. Of course. Of course. Okay. So let's start by talking about the sun. Right. Okay. Oh, the sun is a deadly the sun. beautiful sun. We look up in the sky and the sun is emitting so much heat, so much energy. So much energy. Heat Yo, energy. That it let's is it. warming the planet enough to sustain the energy of every single person on this planet, right? And that is all a result of nuclear fusion, right? That that's There's an immense amount of heat and pressure within the sun that is weighing on these atoms with the, deep within the sun and causing these atoms to fuse, Okay. So what happens when the atoms fuse? So when the atoms fuse, what we find out is that if you take two nuclei, right, and you put them through nuclear fusion, like what's happening within the sun, we realize that these two nuclei 
nuclei are coming together to form one big nucleus. Yeah. But the mass of that big nucleus is less than the sum of the original first two nuclei. So it's almost like putting two things together and ending up with something that feels like it's less than the original component. Yes. Mm. Can you run that back for me real quick? Like, the- Okay. All right. So... Because the way that I heard that, it was you're you're getting more energy out of a thing that you didn't put the same amount of energy into. Yep. I, I, this I is, thought that was just a theory. Well, this is almost exactly what I'm telling you. There, you're taking two atoms that weigh, let, let's say, two, two um, units, yep. right? You'd expect if they fused to get four units in that huge... In that huge atom. But no, no, no. But no, you're getting, say, three, right? So where is that extra unit going? Where where did it go? It's in Einstein's equation, E equals MC squared. Mass can be converted into energy. So in that fusion, in that process, the mass is being converted into energy. And just think about how big the sun is. You don't just have... Leaving us with less mass yes. and more energy. We don't have just one... Just so you're saying the energy is coming from the mass rather than other energy is what you're saying? Correct. Correct. Okay, so I was I was thinking of it like the energy is coming from energy. And that's why that, that big old breakthrough the other month about like these scientists got... Uh, they put in one whatever of energy and got out three, but it was like realistically on a completely tiny scale and they actually put in more energy than what they said. Well, speaking of that, (laughs) (laughs) actually what had happened up at the, uh, the Lawrence, the Lawrence Livermore national lab is they said, Hey, we want to, you know, we, Ever since the 60s, yeah. we thought it was possible to uh, replicate the conditions on the sun given the pressure and the heat. Those are the two main factors that we need um, to be just right. Possible. We thought ever since the 60s that it would be possible. So ever since then, we've been creating more and more powerful lasers, basically. Yeah. <laughs> said, said, you know what? If we shoot these lasers at some atoms, then, uh, you know, maybe we can generate enough pressure and heat. And that huge breakthrough was at the uh, National Ignition Facility, which is the world's largest laser. All right. That this thing is the size of a football stadium. And like it, the laser itself? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like the- yeah. Oh. Not not the beam, oh, okay. but thing the thing emitting the laser. The you know thing how, emitting yeah. it. Yeah. You know the, how, laser <laughs> the laser pointer. The laser pointer. Do you know how thick the laser is? Uh, no, it's, I didn't. It's. I I think it's a, smaller in diameter than like a a store bought laser pointer because it's it's yeah. focusing oh. all this power into like this really yes. small. Yeah, it's just light. It's a so, very small. You so it's just, like really compacted. Yeah. 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 Whoa. Correct. So. They you they get this massive laser. All right, keep in mind this laser is made of one hundred and ninety two other lasers, all mm. combining together. Right, 
focusing in on one point in order to fuse energy, I mean fuse mass together. And what we found out is that they put in two megajoules of energy into um, powering this laser yeah. in order to do this. And they got out 3.15 megajoules. Wait, hold on. Can you say that again? The initial megajoule versus 2.05 megajoules were initially put into power. And then laser. like over three. And then we got 3.15 megajoules out mm. of it, out of this fusion, which effectively means we um, create a new create. We got one whole megajoule of Profit, energy profit. Yes. <laughs> I think the issue, I didn't like look too far deep into it, but I remember reading something about it because I was like, oh, energy from nowhere. That's crazy. <laughs> I think yeah. one of the issues that had been brought up by some other scientists trying to like uh, fact check was the facility running the machine yeah, used a lot more energy than the in, than the initial thing to run the actual machine itself. Yeah, so I, oh. I think that then brought it to a higher input than output. I could be I could be wrong. I don't I read this when the the whole thing like first came out. So yeah. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it is definitely a, a really cool proof of concept and a really cool um, thing that we really need to look into more. Yeah, yeah definitely, the point definitely. of this isn't to say, all right, we're going to get all of the world's energy from the National Ignition Facility. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Because yeah. that's not the, mm -hmm. the point of it. The point is that we have now proved the concept that we can cause nuclear fusion and possibly get out 50% returns on the energy we put in as long as we're able to um, harness it correctly, yeah. which is why yeah. this, this concept, you see, when that's the whole difference between scientists and engineers. Scientists de deal with it in theory while engineers are like, all right, let's actually like let's make something mm -hmm. out of it. Yeah. So that's the engineer's problem. <laughs> but from a scientific standpoint, we've done it. Yeah. Right. Renewable the, energy. The biggest thing, and I'll I'll shift this over to Lily afterwards. I just have a question. Oh, shoot. Um so has this been recreated in any like in anything since? Or is it recreatable? This has never been done before. However, um, this this was breaking news as of only a couple months couple ago. Months ago. Mm -hmm. it, so it was probably literally like it would take yeah. a couple like it's still very uh, difficult <laughs> yeah. to attain. Right. Anyways. And we're not sure whether we th the technology is outside of the National Ignition Facility is able to. Um, do this, and yeah, that's if something that I found it because you know it's the United States with energy. Something that I found very <laughs> like upsetting. Like I was so excited when I read the news that we found renewable energy with, with fusion. Uh, something that like what you said, I didn't really like was the fact that we use these 
gigantic lasers to find these because you can only imagine mm-hmm. the amount of energy we needed to fuel these lasers. Or you know, you said two point zero five megajoules. Yeah, but just imagine. And but the fact that these are just huge lasers, like we, that, just shows that we still have so much yeah. more we need to do. They're right. not really like as the attainable. Computer. And in the same, way, yeah, in the same way, the first computer was the size of a house. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The, one of the things. Oh about, yeah, yeah. Oh sorry, sorry. Uh, the thing that what you said was how we're not really researching renewable energy as much as we are with non-renewable energy. That just shows like we need to focus a lot more time politically and scientifically but definitely equally yeah amount yeah most definitely you know one of the and the biggest thing about nuclear fusion that's uh more monumental is the fact that um we already have an energy source that can or like a way of creating energy that gives us similar returns right that's in the form of nuclear fission. Mm. And Wait, versus what was the last one? Nuclear fusion. Fusion. N- nuclear fission is what we what you think of when you look at your local power plant, right? Right over at Limerick. Right over at Limerick Generating Station. Um <laughs> you just they just take a uh, neutron, shoot it at uh, an atom, s- split said atom into two neutrons and then the cycle repeats they hit more and they split off they hit more split off split off right creates a lot of energy a lot of heat and then that um causes the water in the facility to boil turning into steam that we can harness into more energy yeah that steam then turns a turbine which Correct. which then creates the energy yes it, so it, Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. In in a way, is it kind of like, uh, like nuclear bombs? Yes. And like it's exactly. kind of like creating controlled explosions. Precisely. That's exactly what it's called. I believe that's they really use cool. the same exact quote. Quote it. Uh, what do you call it? Controlled explosions. Oh, yes. I made that up. So. Yeah, they use that. Same Those exact bombs quote. are called nuclear fission bombs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, it's just it's literally the same concept. Nuclear fission bombs. Yes. Okay. And and the problem with the. Uh, you know, nuclear fission is all the immense amounts of radiation, nuclear waste, um, and all of this hazardous materials that result from it. Yeah. Yeah. But nuclear fusion doesn't do that. Yeah. And it sort of goes into my my main point that I wanted to say in this podcast is, is that renewable energy is something it isn't like how coal was. It wasn't like the the sole reliable source of industrialization and innovation. Re- renewable energy, it's going to come in complex, different forms. You, you might see dancing plaids at your local school. You might see solar solar energy on top of your house. You might see wind turbines when you drive out west to Ohio to Indiana. You might see uh, hydropower dams. You know, over when you drive to, <laughs> let's say Niagara Falls or yeah, something. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. The the what renewable energy in the future it's going to be com- different. Right. You won't see, or maybe you might, but you won't see one sole uh, sort of gifter. Let's say gifter. Yeah. New word here of energy. Mm. That's that. Yeah. yeah. No. I I 
man, I wrote my conclusion exactly on that. <laughs> like you touched on everything that I wanted to say. Yeah, and it's important that we like recognize the that all this renewable energy around us that we can't hide away from it. Like right now, this this non reusable energy is just destroying our planet. Yeah, and you and I hear so often in political debates, what do you have as an alternative for fossil fuel? Well, it's not what we it's not just one thing that is that alternative right mm-hmm. it's an entire concept that is the alternative it's and eliminating an energy monopoly at, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> at, at, at its at its core that's exactly what it so is so you don't really need political let's say change in order to create environmental change what you really need is uh entrepreneurial change to create environmental change this is one of those uh one of those things that in America, like it's it's not a political issue, and no. it never really has been. It's not. It's it's an energy issue. Yeah. At its simplest value, it is just it is an energy issue that, for whatever reason, we made political. And I think that's one of the biggest issues. Um, without trying to get too political, in modern day America, is these companies are getting in the pockets of politicians, and they're making it a political issue, whereas. It really shouldn't be. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, each and every one of us have the ability to to make environmental change. You know, whether you're going to college for physics or philosophy, it still goes back to environment. So if you ever want to have like some sort of entrepreneurial dream where you're saying, okay, well, I really do think that school should have these little dancing pads in the hallways, you know, as a, a physician, or not a physician, a physicist, Oh, I'm mixing. Physician. <laughs> physician. Oh, my God. Athletic trainer out here. <laughs> Athletic trainers out here. I mean, that uh, is applicable too. But as a, uh, a physicist, you can say, okay, well, let me apply the things I learned in college to implementing uh, something like that into a high school or a sidewalk or uh, anywhere, really. You know, the, all of these entrepreneurial ideas, they're not really far fetched at all. You know, 20 years, 10 years, 30 years, you're going to see some of the things that we talked about here now implemented in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, especially the dance pads. Like, imagine well, sometimes we might not know like where these dance pads are. Let's say, you see how the floors are all like, <laughs> are, yeah, are like cement blocks. They're like cement blocks. <laughs> so, what we, what we also start doing is just step on these blocks, just start stepping Go on for it. stepping on these concrete Let's blocks. Because who knows? Maybe they're. One of these days, you might step on a dance floor. I mean, launched in 2008. Yeah, right. I do want to touch on one of the most attainable sources of energy for anybody, especially in the state of PA, uh, solar energy. Oh, yeah. uh, Mm. Through solar panels. Um, So if if you're unaware, solar panels, this is a boring part, they function, you know, sunlight in form of photons – hits the solar panel cells and knock the electrons off the silicone atoms in the panel. These electrons now free move around and bump into each other and whatnot, causing electricity to be formed. This electricity flows to the outside of the panel and the the inverter led by a conductive wire. Anyway, this DC energy is turned to AC energy and it is uh, caught by your, your um, electricity box run by the run by the, municipality or wherever you're from so or pico or well (laughs) right (laughs) that's a whole issue in and of itself so in the state of pennsylvania we 
the state itself is giving out uh, financial assistance to anybody who wants to put solar panels on their house. Uh, this is one of the uh, great government pushes, uh, state government pushes to kind of move to- towards a sustainable thing. And I, I think that's really great to see, even in the state of Pennsylvania. And if it's something, if renewable energy is something that you and your family want to get into, definitely look into solar panels. Because one of the great things about solar panels is, say it's like it's been a really sunny week or month, you could produce more energy than your house uses. And then that energy goes back into the town's infrastructure. And then the town then pays you a check for giving them energy. It's, it's the same way that you pay the town for taking their energy. It's just right back. So if you are a lower income family and you need, you want to be a little bit more sustainable and you, 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 you need some government assistance for it, look into it for sure. Cause it would definitely help you out in some cases, especially in a summer, like, um, maybe not these past two weeks, but in a spring summer like this one's going to be it's going to be hot and it's going to be sunny so Mm -hmm. there will be a lot of energy being produced and even at just a residential level you could be producing enough energy for your house for that month yeah and just to sustain yourself and your family yeah none of this is hypothetical and your alarm clocks and uh let's say maybe your neighbor like solar energy is literally everywhere and it can be more more prevalent in the future like, mm-hmm. just to think that, uh, like I said earlier, with the two trillion joules, or I believe it's megajoules or kilojoules, I believe, actually, kilo, probably kilojoules, actually, of energy that the sun releases at the earth per day. And, you know, just to think that if we can harness even just uh, 50% of that energy, we can mm-hmm. produce more energy than we do an entire year. Yeah. Yeah, and just to really sort of ended off here uh if solar energy or this renewable energy implementation you can't really do uh just try to lower your carbon emissions try to take it easy on on using electricity in general and just turn your lights off whenever you're done in a certain room uh turn your air conditioner off when you're not home like and, and especially on a like these hotter days, it's like maybe open a window or go outside and just 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 reduce your electricity spending. And maybe instead of driving a lot, you ride a bike or walk somewhere or just try Just be determined to reduce your spending on energy. Yeah. Maybe. Turn off the lights when you walk out the room. And maybe go buy it. Bust a move on a dance tile. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, Maybe not in America. I don't know. And if you don't <laughs> have the energy to do that, feeling down, then talk to somebody. Talk, yeah, to, talk somebody, to somebody, please. Talk, talk to somebody to about somebody. solar panels on your house, please. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's not just about mental health. It's about everyone's health. Yeah. And if you have an idea, there are multiple sort of organizations that will give you money for you to launch your entrepreneurial dream. You know, like uh, last year, I received three hundred dollars just to 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 talk about a concept of solar energy. 
just to know, talk. Just to talk. Big spender over here. Like, come on. Like, it's easy to do. Not, yes. It's not really. It's not. In the grand scheme of things, it is easy to do, and I want you to do it, please. And what does money mean? Money means mass. And what does mass mean? <laughs> energy. More energy. <laughs> Burn your and money what are some of in us the fireplace. <laughs> uh, yeah, talk to somebody, and this is the Pottstown Senior Squad bringing you one more reason to say, proud, proud to, to be, be from, from Pottstown. Pottstown. Proud to be from Pottstown. Oh, yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Creative for Greatness podcast. Check out our website at striveinitiative.org for more information. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Tell a friend, spread the word, and be great. Clap it up! Clap it up! We out.